Welcome back to the Act 2 Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. Act 2 Writers is now on Twitter. We're finding interesting screenwriting topics to talk about. We're stirring up a little trouble, maybe. I don't know. Answering questions, at the very least. Please yeah, we're, we're there. <laughs> Also, please remember to subscribe to and rate the podcast. You'll be alerted to our new topics. It helps us out. It's a great symbiotic relationship. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> All right. Let's just go into what we're talking about today. Yeah. Do we have this week's mm. in writings, though, or no? I just have one. Okay. This isn't even a this week in writing. It's a this week in correcting what I've said, which I feel like is going <laughs> to turn out to be a segment in the long term. Um, in our previous episode, we talked about the Austin Film Festival, and I had called a hotel the Dresden, which is a great spot in Los Feliz, which I've been to multiple times, I believe. It's the place where they shot swingers. Fuck, I might be wrong about that, but I think I've been there multiple times. The hotel's actually called the Driscoll. So when you're in Austin, go to the Driscoll. Not the Dresden. Not the Dresden, but you should go to the Dresden too. When you listen to our previous podcast, just imagine my voice saying the Driscoll every time I say the Dresden. <laughs> I'm glad because you might have sent a lot of people to the wrong place. <laughs> no, they would have known. All right, I'll do one then. Okay, so um, another writer reached out to me had a really interesting question where they talked about how they were kind of stuck. They like knew what their story was, but sort of couldn't get into the characters and figure out what the hell they were doing within this story. And mm. it's interesting because I think our brains can work that way, right? Where like, we'll, we will nail what the story is. Like maybe that's the thing that comes to us first. But we have no idea what character to put in that story or what the theme is that we're dealing with with that character, what the arcs are, et cetera. And so it was an interesting question for me because I've not been in that position in a while. I think lately I've been starting with character instead of story. And so her question to me was like, what do you do in that situation? How do you start developing that character's voice and get in their head and figure out what they want? And so partly in this week in writing is to ask how you do it. Cause I'm curious, like the, th the tricks that I've used before is I've written like journal entries in the voice of the character to just kind of figure out a, what, how they sound but be what they yeah. care about in their everyday life and what they complain about or what they dream about etc and that kind of can come out in like a faux journal entry that's one thing oh, that i do you do wow that's interesting so it the the question being how do you get into the voice of the character like and figure that, out what they that... want not just voice but also figure out like what they want and care about and all of that oh wow in each scene not in each scene, just kind of oh, generally just in, life, in the course in of the story. Oh. Yeah, like you know the, the story of your movie, but you're not quite yeah. sure what the characters should be doing within that story. That's a really hard question because I, I don't think there's any one place to start. Like I've, I'm working on something now with Kai and... Co-writer and director of Robu. You're amazing. Co-writer, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> not uh, to plug you because yeah. you won't plug yourself. Yeah. So... <laughs> We're writing uh, this feature, and we were taught like we needed to know backstory for the characters, which is a whole other thing. But like we had to know these little small things just because of some of the scenes, and it was weird because it was like, all right, let's just do a really uh, in-depth character breakdown, and we just kept talking about it. And it's like you don't know where to start. Like, what are your hobbies? 
what do they like to do? Like, what's this person doing on a day to day? Like what, mm -hmm. it's just so weird to kind of get into that. And, you know, I just kind of write out little bullet points about characters and then just like, are the bullet points, like what this guy likes to eat, what they like to do on a daily yeah. basis, what their dream, what their like dream job is. Like, what are the bullet points for you? Yeah. That's kind of general, to be honest with you. I don't go into very specific things unless I need to go into very specific things. For instance, um, I don't go into like what, like if my character is depressed, then I'll kind of be like, what's his day to day like? Like in the sense of mm -hmm. he wakes up and he does what? And I feel like that's really important. However, uh, if I'm writing a high school character, I'm not thinking, well, what's the first thing this person eats in the morning? Because yeah. to me that my brain's just not really going there because it's not really important at the time. However, mm -hmm. if I'm writing a scene where his mom's like, what do you want for breakfast, Sean? He's like, eggs, mom, like, or whatever. You know, it's just not that important. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I remember when I first started writing, I got this program called, I think, Dramatica Pro. And one of the things that it did was break down these kinds of things for you, like things that... Oh. I was like, oh, are they, is it important that I know what Sean eats for breakfast? It must be because yeah. this program is telling me so. And so I would spend a lot of time on details like that, that I was never going to use. And that also were facts that didn't develop the character in any real substantial way, unless yeah. what they're having for breakfast is like a very key thing to their character. Like they always eat peanut M&Ms no matter what. Like yeah. that's the weirdest breakfast. It's just like a quirk of theirs. Then that's interesting. For me, it's it's also has recently um, just in the like Tomb Raider writers room, for instance, when we would talk about characters for the story, if you have the story, you know where the character needs to go because you know where the story is. So if you have that ending for them, you're like, I have no idea who this person is or where they come from, but I do know that at this point, part in the third act they're gonna do this that's a place yeah. where you can walk back and be like okay well how does a character get into that and i think you can do it by yourself and that's hard but like maybe just literally call a friend <laughs> like they don't mm. even have to be a writer friend maybe if you just want to loosen stuff up and call someone and be like hey i have this character can you just talk it through with me i do that with yeah. paul all the time paul's an editor he's not a writer but it helps loosen things up so and i think when you're at that stage it's it's a lot of just loosening stuff up and whatever it takes so that's another tip or trick you can use yeah it's just so tricky I, yeah i guess just kind of I, I will actually just kind of walk around and talk to myself and just get a general vibe all right so sean's you know he's kind of this guy he's kind of gaining confidence and he's still a little insecure and he'll wake up and he wants to wear this so he puts this on because it's more secure for him you know like these little mm -hmm. things that i kind of talk my way through but don't necessarily write down just because i I trust it's kind of getting going to get stuck in my in my brain. That's so interesting. Yeah, I'll just walk around and talk to myself. I was once an actor on a show. I had one line. It was my acting debut and it was my No, no, no. I'm still I'm an offer only actor, but that was my one <laughs> one time I've ever done it. But the point was is like I had this one line. It was like that Seinfeld episode where Kramer was like these pretzels are making me thirsty. And I remember when I had this one line, I was like, all right, where am I coming from? What did this guy do this morning? What's this? What's this? And everyone was like, dude, shut the fuck up. Just <laughs> say your line. <laughs> and you know That's what? That's really interesting. Well, I'll, I'll get into that story on a different day because it is a little, it is interesting because they basically cut me out of the scene, but my voice <laughs> is still in it. 
And I, and I do suspect it was because I didn't know where I was coming from or what I was doing. <laughs> That's it. You didn't know what you had for breakfast, so how can you say your line? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so that's my This Week in Writing. <laughs> I thought it was interesting uh, thinking Did, about character. Yeah, thinking about character. There's different ways to do it. You write down, you know, broad strokes of the character and walk around and talk to. That's I just help talk. I For me, talking it out and talking to myself and talking to others is probably the most helpful way. Yeah. And that means, hey, Tasha, can I just break down this character for you? I, I, you know, I got Sean at Bobble, and then you just kind of dive it's into so it. It's so fun to do that, by the way, when we do get into mm -hmm. those conversations, because then you'll be like, well, what, what if, like, Sean actually does this in his day? And I'm like, oh, my God, that blows things up for me, and that's really interesting. Like, let's just walk yeah. down that path for a second. And if Sean does do that in his day, what does that actually mean for him? And, oh, maybe I don't like that idea, but that was really cool. Now it makes me think of something else. So that kind of brainstorming with a friend or on paper by yourself walking down crazy ideas can be super helpful yeah. all right okay the Moving meat on. of the episode today we are talking about when to do free work and when not to and also just mm -hmm. what free work looks like now yeah. i think this is a pretty hot topic among writers because the wga would pretty much tell you never to do free work agents will often tell you to do free work which we'll talk about and then i think as writers because we just know how freaking hard it is to get a career going. We, I don't want to speak for Josh, but I feel like yeah. we may also tell you that free work is sometimes the only way to move something forward and it sucks, but it can certainly be true. Mm -hmm. um, and if, and I think I'll just, I'll kind of just paint a picture about why that can be true. And it's really because most producers just do not have development funds. That means they do not have a pot of gold lying around to just pay writers to develop ideas. And if you think about it, it's because the WJ minimum is something like $36,000. It might be a little bit higher now, which means for them to have a sustainable business where they are maximizing the number of projects they have that they can sell to a studio or to financiers to help them make it, they need like dozens of projects in the works at any one time. That means dozens times $36,000, right? And you can assume that there are writers within that batch that actually have higher rates than whatever the WJ minimum is. So we're talking potentially like hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars that they just have to have liquid lying around to pay writers to develop scripts for them. And the likelihood is then very high that not all of those scripts that they have paid for are going to sell to a buyer or get made independently. So we're talking just as a business model that that's just a lot of wasted money on development for them. So of course it very much behooves producers to ask a writer to write a spec script, which means for free, well, yeah. speculatively, you will be getting money later on if it sells or write a treatment for free and then just try to get the writer paid after that thing is sold. And because of all of that, I should say, you will find that a lot of producers will actually ask you now to like pitch the idea instead of write it for free. And then that means if you pitch the idea, it's, of course, a lot less development time because a pitch takes maybe a month or so to like prep, practice, revise it, et cetera, versus a script, which can take like three to six months. Mm -hmm. So for me, kind of once we get started talking about our own stories, you'll see that most of my free work has actually been in developing pitches. I think I have a good story to share about doing free work. I'm really excited about your horror story. I, I guess I sort of just 
to get ahead of this fall on the side of you need to do free work at some point if you're a writer yeah. early in your career it's inevitable can you can you talk about when you have done free work like what those situations have been yeah early on like real early this is gonna this is gonna slide right into my kind of weird weird horror story that by the way i feel like i'm responsible for one of your free work jobs you are i have this i have it written down well do you want me to story? jump into that <laughs> no, 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 no 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 not at no, all no go do with you know what, what you're saying <laughs> okay that's you know your story yours is not a horror story what okay, ended good. up happening to the company uh was a horror story yeah, but that's it wasn't a really because great of you example yeah so yeah what, what are some situations that you've had to do free work okay so my first free work tasha Early in my Los Angeles career, early in my Los Angeles life, I didn't even know you yet. Like I was just starting to get going. I have to, I have to give a lot of context, paint this picture here. Your life was empty because you hadn't known me. Yep. Mm -hmm. Correct. My life is just totally empty. I didn't know you. I didn't know Dave. I didn't know anyone. But I did know my, one of my friends. And one of my friends comes up to me one day and he's like, dude, I met this guy. He washes cars. <laughs> He washes cars and he specifically, he has this, I, I know his name too. I looked him up. Like I, I found all oh, this shit. information. I love this story yeah. already. <laughs> and I'm just, he's not, he doesn't listen to the, the podcast. Yeah. His name's Rashid. So Rashid has this car wash. He like owned a car wash down on La Cienega, but he also washed cars for agents over at CAA. So my friend's like, dude, this guy's like a hustler, man. He knows all of these agents and lit agents over at CAA. And basically Rashid has cut a deal with some of these agents where CAA, they have a library of, uh, or they have all of these properties of books. And some of these books just sit there and they, nothing's happening with them, meaning they have the rights to all of these books, but nobody is writing the feature version of mm -hmm. any of them. So they're just waiting for a writer to come along and kind of like write the, uh, write the script or give a pitch for one of these books. I mean, that's like the simplest form of, mm -hmm. of, of that. So my friend connects me with Rashid because now I'm interested. I'm like, damn, all right, this sounds pretty cool. Let me, let me meet Rashid. I, I go and meet Rashid at the Baja Fresh on Sunset Boulevard. Mm -hmm. We sit down and we start talking and he's like, listen, I know these people over at CAA. Uh, I, I can, I know all, I have all these like script, I, you know, these scripts and, or these books that need to be developed into scripts and I can get you in front of all the lit agents. And if you can come up with like a good pitch and a good take on one of these books, then who knows? Maybe you can get wrapped and maybe this can get turned into a, you know, oh. like into a script or like a thing. And I'm like, that's kind of weird, Rashid. So I, I do more digging. And as it turns out, like a couple people vouched for Rashid. A couple people over at CAA vouched for him. Oh, like it, this was, yeah, I'm leaving a lot out, but that was, that's kind of like. How did you know people at CAA to check with them? So as it turns out, this was the part I was leaving out. Another guy I know named Joe, and Joe, if you listen to the podcast, who's kind of a friend of mine, he, he, knows, he knows what I'm talking about. My friend Joe, coincidentally, was connected with Rashid in the same kind of way. Like, he met him through the car wash and stuff. And Joe had some contacts over at CAA, hmm. and barely. But, like, he, met, he somehow figured out a way to call, and he was like, do you guys know this Rashid? And, like, people actually vouch for him. Like, Rashid hmm. was like this hustler car washer who was like trying to get writers on and trying to produce and do all these other things so rashid gives me a book that caa uh had had owned essentially 
And then I come up with my take and I start writing out my take. And it took up a lot of time. It took a, weeks of my life. And I'm like, this is what this, this take could be. I'm really excited. So I text Rashid. I'm like, let's go back to the Baja Fresh. We go sit down. We're, we're talking about it. And it became very clear to me that Rashid hadn't read the book. Like he was just oh, no. he was pretending like sure. he did. And I was giving a take. And then he was like, but I want it to be like a Michael Bay thing. Or, and I was like, Michael Bay, what the fuck? Like this was like a character piece about like these race car drivers and this and that. So Rashid's like, will you write the script? And then I'll, set, I'll show it to all of the uh, CAA agents. And that's where I kind of drew the line. And I was like, no, nah, oh, man, this gosh. is, this is yeah. a little weird. I don't, th I don't trust this. And, and then I just pulled out and I never talked to Rashid again. Mm -hmm. So my first bit of free anything was with a dude named Rashid who washed cars and had a connection to CAA, apparently. Sounds like a very smart move to have pulled out of that one. I'm so fucking can't even believe I told that story because <laughs> now if I heard someone telling me that story, I'd be like, yo, you idiot. What are you talking about? But in, in the moment. No, that's the thing. It's like if I were you at that stage of my life, I would have not had doubts. I would have been like, oh, yeah, like this guy, this is how the industry works. It's about sort of backhanded deals and people who know other people. And yeah. it's about this weird network that I know nothing about but want to be a part of. And people can talk big games that get yeah. you excited and they pitch you the dream, which the dream is we'll sell this to CAA. You'll get an agent like all the yeah. things that you've been wanting you'll get if you just do this thing. So, yeah, that he makes sense. And the other thing is at that time when you're young and hungry, you have this unlimited supply of energy where you're like, I can write a feature in days. Like mm -hmm. I'm fucking, I'm ready to go. You know, we're not, I'm, I'm not jaded yet. Like that was, <laughs> that was that version of me. So that was kind of like my first instance of, yeah. of freeness. What other times have you done free work? Like what were the situations okay. around that? Yeah, much more legit was you had connected me with an exec and he worked at a company that was really uh, kind of aligned with my interests. Mm -hmm. Let's just say actions, action comedies. So we ended up developing something together. And he was like, do you want to write this on spec? And then if you write this, I will show it to my, uh, my bosses. And then we will take this out. We're going to try to package it. And we're going to try to try to sell this. And I was and like, this was a big company too. So it's not yeah. like it's a small company and the, the promise wasn't worth very much. Like to show to their bosses was a huge, would be a huge deal. Yeah. And what's crazy about this is, so I wrote it, it took a couple months. We sat down, we were going over notes. He, he was an interesting character, not in like a bad way, but just kind of like a, uh, he was a character like this exec and he ends up showing it to his boss and his boss liked it. His boss had some notes though. And he was like, and so the boss came back, I did another pass and we were actually kind of picking up some traction and he was like, everyone really likes it. And he showed it to a few more people. And then unfortunately, some things happened internally in the company and like a bunch of people were fired. The company collapsed. It was like a pretty big to do. And the script just went away. Mm -hmm. He, the, the exec told me, he was like, Hey, listen, I'm leaving the company along with everyone else because we've <laughs> collapsed. And, uh, if you want, you can still kind of do whatever you want with this script. I just want story by credit. Whoa, okay. So that's how, that was, that was kind of how it all ended. Is that a spec that you take out at all? I just kind of let it go, to be honest. Like it just, I was like, nah, this chapter's like done. Mm. That's an, and that's an interesting part of free work that we'll kind of get into more too, but it happened to you. Like how long did it take you to write all of that, including the revisions and everything? 
I think it was about six months. Okay. Like six to seven months of my life. And I was excited about it too. That was the craziest, you know, like you get, you, you get very excited about these things. Yeah. It's so easy to get excited. <laughs> yeah. And this was not a Rashid situation. This was like a legit. No, this is legit. Like, yeah. And that's something you can never have predicted either. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I've done a lot of free yeah, work. Let's, uh, let's hear it. Kind of too much to enumerate, I feel like, but I don't think I've ever written an entire script for free, at least not mm -hmm. that I can remember. I've certainly written stuff, like original stuff, on yeah. my own for free, obviously, because who's going to pay me? My mom. Um, well, shout out. <laughs> shout out. Most of my free work has been in revisions, and we'll get into examples of that. But I think I'll talk about my biggest free thing that I yeah. did, which was a treatment. So I had, and it was a similar situation as you in many ways, which I think it always almost is. Um, you get very excited, which is why you do the free thing. So I had a general with a producer and we talked about, of course, stuff I like to write, stuff they like to do. And we very much lined up like you with the other company. And it was this producer whose boss of that company had a deal at Warner Brothers and had produced like one of my favorite properties of all time. <laughs> mm. And their boss also worked with an A-list director who I thought was absolutely awesome. So in many ways, this company had kind of a shortcut similar to your situation where you had a really big company who was sort of actively developing something with you. In this case, it was a company that had a deal at a studio. And that means that they have a direct connection. Like their job, if they have a deal at a studio, is to provide content for that studio. And that studio is looking for content from them all the time. So that's like an easy avenue. Mm -hmm. So as far as thinking of like time risk management for me at the time, I was also a very new writer. I had no new income coming in as a screenwriter. So at the time I had recently quit my day job as an assistant because I had gotten this job writing a movie for Warner Brothers and what's called like a blind deal, which means that mm -hmm. Warner Brothers liked a sample of mine. They offered me this open deal where essentially I had to pitch them ideas. Could be an original idea, could be something based on their IP. And as soon as they liked one of my pitches, they would then hire me to write that. But until then I had no money. And blind deals can like last for years sometimes <laughs> before the studio and creator like agree on something to work on. So that's where I was at the time. I'd pitched this thing at Warner Brothers, was kind of just starting to write it because they did like it. But I didn't know what my next thing was going to be. And that really scared me because before then I'd had an actual full-time job. So I was actively looking for my next job. So then cut to this producer whose boss had a deal at Warner Brothers and he pitched me this idea that I loved. It was this heist movie set in one of my favorite time periods of history based on a real story. It was really, really fun. And I was so pumped about it. Wow. And this producer kind of kept telling me like, look, the director pal of my boss would definitely direct this and it's going to be so awesome and me being new i was like holy shit like if this a-list director even read anything of mine i would like mm -hmm. die of happiness so yeah let's develop a treatment together for free absolutely and the understanding was tasha will write this treatment we'll take the treatment to the boss boss will love the treatment boss will ask his director buddy to attach himself then these two guys with a ton of clout are going to walk into Warner Brothers. The executives are going to fight over who, who gets to buy it. And that's how it's going to go, Tasha. 
And I was like, yes, <laughs> just sign me up for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And now when I talk through that, it sounds ridiculous because I now look at that and think, oh my God, there are so many steps involved. Whereas back <laughs> then I was like, that sounds, that's like a, that's a one-way ticket. Question. Yeah. Did you have manager agent at the time? Both. Both. And what yeah. did they say about it? Did they say do it? Yeah, they did. Because of all the things that I mentioned, this company had a deal at Warner Brothers. Um, they had a, were really in good in good standing with Warner Brothers. And they did say, it's going to be tough. It's going to be yeah. a lot of free work. It's going to take some time. But go for it. Because... I didn't have any other jobs. No, <laughs> so of like, they, like what do you my have to agents lose? are yeah, my agents are very much like ha have as many opportunities as you can and especially if you love the property. Like if I didn't like it and I was just sort of doing it because it's a job, they would probably say, "Look, Tasha, yeah, it's a job, but it's probably not going to be a job for a while." So if you're yeah. not passionate about it, I wouldn't go for it. So this is why free work can often not be worth the effort because let's just say the best case scenario is like you write a killer treatment you probably have to do multiple drafts and revisions of that which i did because mm -hmm. the producer i was working with had many many notes the producer's boss then has to love your treatment and i think even if they love it they're probably also going to have notes and you're going to also right. have to do free revisions then let's say the boss loves it takes it to the director buddy director buddy has notes now you're doing more free revisions now, okay, everyone's on board. They take it to Warner Brothers. And then you're up against politics and like analytics, you know, like we already have a project that's similar to that or numbers are telling us that the audiences don't love this kind of movie anymore or whatever the case might be. Like there's another hurdle even at the very end. So sure enough, what happened to me was I wrote this treatment. I went through months of notes and revisions with this producer until we both thought it was in a good place. He submitted it to his boss who didn't really get it. <laughs> like I'd gone through all this work and had the producer telling me like, my boss is gonna love it. This is gonna be great. And he just didn't. And then I think the producer just kind of slipped it to a Warner Brothers exec anyways, just to try and drum up some kind of support there. And even they were like, now nah, we're good oh. and that was it like i i had done this treatment for months it took me it it had taken me like the better half of a year because i write much slower than you do josh and mm. at the no, end I mean... of that like it doesn't belong to me it's the producers and the draft i had was influenced by that producer's notes so if ever i wanted to do anything with this idea in my life he'd have to be a part of it which is fine but the point is is that after all of that work it's not even my own yeah did, did did anything come of your relationship with that producer? Yeah, producer and I, that's the one benefit is that we're friends and we've since like come to each other with stuff afterwards. Yeah. Nothing has come of any of those things, but um, exciting opportunities have presented themselves. They just haven't really worked out. So that is definitely a benefit of that process. I, so you, you took some time, you wrote this treatment, all these things happened, but maybe you and this producer create something like fantastic in a year from now two mm -hmm. years from now whenever and you can then kind of go back to this free treatment that you did that might have kind of sparked your relationship so yeah. it's really hard to kind of gauge whether or not something is worth it or not there's a lot of pride yeah. that gets hit I, I feel like people are like i'm not writing for free are you fucking kidding me 
Right. But sometimes, sometimes there are great producers who are just like, I can't pay you, but I'm going to hustle for this. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely very tricky. And you can sense. get other jobs from them. That's definitely a legitimate oh, totally. thing. And I learned so much through those free revisions. Like if mm -hmm. I had gotten paid for those revisions, that producer would have been so pissed off at the shit yeah. that I was delivering because I don't think I had it. It took, it took all those multiple revisions for me to get it into a really good place because A, I was new and didn't fully understand how to write an effective movie in a treatment yeah. form, like let alone like on the script, but like in an actual treatment form, which is a whole other way of explaining the movie, right? And it was just tricky because it was a heist, which is all very hard to write. It was period, which is a lot of research. So, but the experience of learning how to revise and take notes without the pressure of a paycheck and someone being very mad at me was really, really helpful. And speaking <laughs> to your point, Literally this year, that producer came back to me and, you know, this happened 2014-ish or so. Mm -hmm. So cut to now. And he pitched to me a video game property that I love. And I started to engage in, started to create a pitch for, like, I was super excited to do this. He would not yeah. have come to me if he hadn't trusted me through that revision process, seen how I work, etc. I ended up not being able to work on it because of time. But... I could have like that could yeah. have been the payoff story really you met that producer through a general mm -hmm. i think is what you said yeah so that's a very common thing and i we had talked about this before in our general meeting episode but a lot of times you meet with these producers and the producer will say something like let's try to figure out something we can work on together mm -hmm. and this is a perfect example of it i've i've been in this scenario too where a producer multiple times has said oh you know, I have this idea and it's about, you know, a heist that takes place in a tornado or what, you know, and yeah. I feel like this could be something you would write. Would you, would you have interest in doing this? And I have, I mean, everyone has, you know, you turn people down. It's hard to say no to because a lot of times uh, early on when you're an early writer, you're like, damn, this would be great to work with this company. Mm -hmm. But that happens, I think a lot. And, and there's, there's, I've been asked to write things and I've talked to my manager and he's been like, no, I'll just write them and say, you can't do it. Like, that's just too much free work. I'm like, all right, cool, yeah. man. And Thank yeah, you. you're so right. That happens all the time. Every general, it's that we should find something to work on together. And you get really excited because you're right. You want to work this company. That's why you're meeting them and they're excited about you. And just the idea that anyone wants to engage with you and like write a movie with you or a TV show is so exciting. And I think you can easily get caught up in thinking about the dream scenario of all of this falling into place perfectly. And yeah. the likelihood of that happening is so rare. There's going to be so many, it may end up this fairy tale story, but there will be so many hurdles along the way that will take so much of your time that mm -hmm. time risk management is something we'll talk about and is something to think about when you're considering free work. All right, let's talk about the different times free work might come up. So please yeah. feel free to add any that you've experienced. But for me, treatments, like the story I just talked about. Yeah. And all the hurdles that I talked about. Second would be a script. Yeah. Which I think there. has all the same hurdles as a treatment that we mm -hmm. said. Josh, can you speak to that? Just maybe like what other hurdles there might be in terms of script versus treatment if you're doing it for free? Obviously, it's longer. When you're writing for free and you're writing a script and 
you don't see eye to eye with the person you're writing for free with mm. or for, it becomes really difficult to write for free. Like you're like, fuck you, man. This is, this is not like, I'm doing this for free. Like what, what is going, like, it doesn't start that way, but it always, unless you're just completely eye to eye the entire way. I also wonder if it's easier to take a treatment that may have another attachment from this earlier person you worked with and develop it into like, find the seeds of it that you loved in the treatment and yeah. develop it into something original so it can be your own versus a script is much harder to separate yourself from and come up with something original based on this you know this blueprint that you've completely written out yeah but i can take like the, maybe just the kernel of a treatment that i've done with someone else and it can be totally new in a different version totally <laughs> the third thing people might ask you to write for free would be a format document which has come up for me and i think on this one it's interesting because Producers will often think, hey, this thing isn't that much work, especially like a format document. It's like five to 10 pages-ish. So, hey, it's not that much. Why don't you just do it for free? And especially for format documents, they're usually for TV, right? Where it's kind of talking about the scope of your show and outlining some of your characters in the world. So I think producers think, well, you already have this in your head. Just put it on paper. Not actually knowing <laughs> this is mm -hmm. a lot of work to do and to do well. Um, and so that's something you'll also find as a reason why producers might ask you to do something free, like a format document or a short treatment or something, um, is they just have no idea how long it takes to write something, which is why they'll bring up free work kind of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll talk about that, like when the format came up for me, I think the way that story ended up is kind of interesting and a good lesson. But the fourth thing I think that comes up for free are revisions, which to me is like the biggest culprit of free work for writers and the thing they complain about the most yeah. is revisions. I feel like this is your sweet spot right here, talking about free work and revisions. It is, it is, this is like, this is, this has been my nightmare for so long. <laughs> Why, why has it been your nightmare though? When does it become a nightmare doing free work revisions? It becomes a nightmare, nightmare when it becomes infinite. And when you feel like it's over, either because you have nothing left to give or yeah. because you think this is the best script you could possibly offer and there are still notes and you've already done so many notes for free. Like there's points where you and I have both come to where we're like, I can't, I can't keep doing these free notes. I oh just, yeah. I just can't do, I have nothing left. <laughs> and you just want to tell the producer either send it out into the world or we have to part ways because I can't keep going. And that's yeah. when free work becomes for me a breaking point. Totally. And that's a very hard conversation to have. I've never parted ways. I've always been like, I'm going to fucking tell this guy I'm out. I'm done or woman. I'm done. But then always I'm like, I'm just, I've come so far. Yeah, I gotta finish can't, this thing. can't give up. That's how they get you. <laughs> You're um, not break yeah, me. I think that's the big topic to talk about for revision. So let's kind of start at the beginning with revisions, which is how they may come up. Um, like it might be that they've paid you to write a first draft, or maybe you wrote an original thing 
and you have a producer who's interested in attaching themselves and helping you package it and take it out to buyers. And producers will do this because this is their job versus your job, right? Producers have huge networks. They have clout around the industry because they are literally the guys and girls who can like put the finances and the personnel together in order to make your movie happen. So yeah. let's take like a Joshian example. Okay. Let's go. All right. So producer wants to attach themselves to your feature script. Now they're not going to buy your script, right? What they're going to do is act as an, a liaison between you, the writer, who has more limited clout, more limited connections than them, and the, the studio who can like make yep. your dream a reality, right? So they will champion this script of yours to the studio to try to get it sold and then made. And if the studio does buy it, that's when you, the writer, will get paid. But to even get to that place, the producer has to feel so good about this script that you gave them that they feel comfortable sending it to their studio. Now, obviously they already love it or they wouldn't take it on. That's not lip service. They're not just gonna take on a script that they hate, but more than likely they are going to have notes. Mm -hmm. Now, Josh, we love your script. Yeah. We have some notes. We really think if you address these notes, then we can sell this thing to Universal. Yeah. What do you say? Oh, okay, great. Uh, can you send me your notes? <laughs> There's no like, you don't call your manager and say, hey, they're asking me to write this for free. What do I do? Oh, I thought my manager was a part of this already. Yeah, no, my, my, it's always my first call is to, to my manager. Like, what do you think? What do I do? And most of the time he's steered me in the direction of, I think you should do it. Yeah. Rightfully so. Because then if you don't, then it's, it just goes back to you and you just yeah. have it by yourself in your house. <laughs> like no one else has yeah. it. No one else has these opportunities. So you will basically, they will lose this awesome project, but also you will lose this awesome opportunity. So yes, you're going to say, send me your notes. And now you are writing for free and you're in this position that if you don't do that, your script is simply not going to go to the studio. Right. And honestly for free work, on revisions it's always going to look like some version of that right there's like a carrot on a stick and that's totally. why you're doing it <laughs> i'm glad it was a joshian example because i'm actually going through exactly <laughs> what you taught as in this exact moment and as you were kind of saying this and i've thought about this because i'm i'm stuck in that in that mode where mm -hmm. I, I something happened the producer was like hey um just a couple notes no big deal. No big deal on these notes. Mm -hmm. um, let's change this, this, and this. And I think we're going to be in good shape. And then that changed something else, changed something else. And it just kept going and going. You meant it kept going and going from them? Like they kept having more notes? Or your revision became bigger because there were these cascading effects? The revisions became bigger. Got it. And I feel like you kind of touched on this. Like producers, a lot of times, they'll think, hey, um, just, just change what this character is doing or like change this motivation and over here that it seems like a pretty easy solve. Like that's the, that's how producers will come at you where it's like, there's, they're making it seem easy, mm -hmm. but it's not fucking easy at all. And that is just a crazy idea to think that it's easy to, you just can't move scenes around <laughs> right. movies and have them still make sense. But <laughs> what I was going to say is as you were saying that, I feel like I think early on I used to put a lot of pressure on myself and I think some writers do where it's like, I need to get these revisions over like ASAP. I need to do this right away. Mm -hmm. 
but it has been helpful for me to kind of get the revisions done on my own schedule and my own time, unless there is a very laid out plan. That's like, yeah. we need to get this done by this exact time. Uh, but it's hard to, I mean, it's easier said than done, but if you can kind of take some of the pressure off of you with the revisions and how long it takes and the hit that it's doing to your ego because you're doing free shit over and over again and mm -hmm. is my writing not good enough, it kind of makes revisions a little easier, I think. What's hard though about that is you, you're afraid of losing momentum. Like I completely agree. If you take so long on your revisions, is this production company going to lose interest and not fight <laughs> for it as much? That's how I have, what I, happens to me. That That's actually, it, I completely agree. And actually, I'm in that boat yeah. where I, I took my time. And because I was like, man, this is on my schedule now. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I felt the momentum slow down. Yeah. And so it's, it's really hard to, you know, reignite momentum. Yeah, it's tough. Really hard. It's real tough. Yeah. But that's a fine line, though, because you're right, you can't get bogged down by it and depressed by it and over anxious about it. And you also can't sacrifice potential other opportunities because you're doing free work. So it's a hard balance that writers have to do. What's the yeah. verb there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's let, let's walk through this project Let's continue to walk through the Joshian project and imagine that you sell it to Universal, or your producer yeah. sells it to Universal after doing these great notes. Universal right. then pays you to mm -hmm. buy the script and then also pays you to do a step to revise it because Universal is definitely going to have notes. So you revise it, you get paid, it's awesome. But then when you're done with these revisions from Universal, you don't just email the draft to Universal, you email the draft to your producer first. And the mm -hmm. producer is now going to have more notes on your revisions <laughs> because this is what's going through the producer's mind that if i turn in josh's revised draft and it is not at literally a hundred percent which yeah. to get it at a hundred percent is almost impossible so if it's not at a hundred percent and like ready to be greenlit tomorrow then universal could potentially lose interest in josh's movie and decide to kill it or slightly less horrible, they they lose the momentum because they're not as excited by this revised draft, which now means the universal execs are sort of gonna kill it over time slowly, just because they're not gonna care about it as much as their other projects. So yeah. given that this is what the producer is worried about, they are obviously going to give Josh notes on his revision. You're not gonna get paid for those revisions because that's what's called a producer's pass. Mm -hmm. And even big writers do producer's passes. I remember famously Billy Ray talking about this, where he said that he looks at his paycheck as hiring him not for a draft, but for a certain period of time. So mm. the standard writing period on a first draft is 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. And so he will usually turn his first draft in much earlier than that. So let's say it's six weeks. And then at six weeks, he's going to get notes from his producer and he'll address them within those 12 weeks and he'll keep addressing them until it's done. Because in his mind, you're hiring me for this 12 week period. So you, you've got me. That's so that's great. one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is it's a free fucking pass. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's still a free pass from a producer. And oftentimes, and this is why the WGA hates this, is producers can be so scared that the studio is going to kill your movie that they will give you not just one round of notes, but several rounds of notes that you're still doing for free. And I want to emphasize how terrible this is from an income point of view. So let's say you get paid, Josh, by Universal to do a revision. Let's say it's $36,000, although for revisions, the minimum is, is less. But let's just say it's $36,000 to revise your script that they bought. You get paid only half of that upfront at commencement, which is $18,000. Let's assume you also have a manager and an agent and a lawyer. That's 25% of your commencement check going to your reps. That means you now take home $9,000 when Universal said, hey, go write a revision. But then you have to save 30% of that for taxes. <laughs> so now in your pocket, you have what, like $2,000 to spend you've on lost rent? Money, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've lost money until you get your delivery check. So you're obviously like trying to just get these revisions out so you can get that delivery check. But then you have that producer saying, here's some free rewrites we'd like you to do to do your producer's pass because we're scared. Yep. Several revisions later, producer finally agrees to send it into the studio. It takes them weeks to read it. Now the executive, who is not the boss of Universal, they're definitely on a lower rung, now they have notes. And what they tell you, Josh, is, hey, if I give this draft to my boss right now, the way it's currently written, they will kill this project, I guarantee it. And I've had this literal conversation with producers before where they're kind mm -hmm. of threatening you. They're saying that what you've written isn't good enough and what you've written will kill this project. So you have to make these revisions for free or else sayonara. And for them, mm -hmm. like they have a paycheck they get weekly. So like they're not super worried about it. You don't. So here you go trying to push through those producers passes even from the studio, those can be called producer's passes, and you still haven't gotten your delivery check yet. So that's mm -hmm. why it's so hard to have a writing career. The end. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well. Josh, how do you bring us back from that? <laughs> I don't. I don't. No, I... I... <laughs> Uh, you're right. I, I don't know what to say, but I thought you were going to like tie this into some kind of like uplifting nope. like <laughs> note, but you're like, oh, fuck, that, that didn't end so well. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, these are just things. I, I guess what I, guess what I w would say is that if, if you're in that position, if, if, you're, if you're savvy enough and you have a good team around you, you can start kind of generating this momentum into other things. Multiple projects at the multiple same time. projects. Yeah. Yes. That's what I would that that's the very big pro of all of this is like once you like we're just talking about with momentum, like once you get the momentum, you just have to fucking pounce and be like, okay, how can I utilize this? And so it is very difficult to have a writing career for the reasons Tasha just so happily laid out, <laughs> but in that moment of time, you can push momentum. I love I love your dedication to finding the optimism here. I can see it in your face. You're really trying hard. And I think you found it. I think you yeah. found it. I mean, listen, Tasha, you can fucking die doing something you hate or you can die doing something you like. It's so true. That's it. That's our, that's our next shirt in the store. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think 
that story, as depressing as it was, is important because it helps us all understand kind of where the free stuff is coming from and why that ask is happening. And it's important to understand that it comes from a place of fear. It comes from a place of wanting the project to succeed, but not knowing how else to do it besides this. Yeah. I think the next thing is what can you do to fight free work? And one, and I think maybe the, the only slash big one is that you can talk to your agents or your manager and explain to them what's going on. And I would say that particularly earlier in my career, honestly, up until this year, to be totally honest, I have come to my agents and said, hey, so-and-so wants me to write this thing for free and it's going to be a lot of work. Can yep. we at least ask them if they're willing to pay for it given I'm doing so many other things? And my agent's response has been historically and was in this particular case, we understand it's a lot, but you may just kind of have to suck it up and do it mm -hmm. because that's how this industry works. Even A-list writers are having to do free passes on things. That's just how we move projects forward sometimes. But we'll ask them if they have money, if you want us to, if you really want us to. And I said, yes, please. <laughs> yes, dear God. <laughs> and, in this particular case, this year, the company did agree to give me money for the thing they had asked for free, which is all to say, at least have this conversation with your reps. I think there's no harm in having them ask the question because the producers might just surprise you and your agent mm -hmm. might surprise you and how great they are at being able to position you in a such a way that the producer's like, yes, we don't wanna lose Tasha. We wanna support Tasha let's give her a little bit of money. Even if it's just yeah. gonna get me through next month of rent, like something is helpful. Yeah. But as I said, oftentimes my reps will tell me, I'm sorry, free work is just part of the deal. I remember I've actually, it's it's burned into my brain because this happens kind of a lot. <laughs> where like I would get a job and they'll say, congrats on the job, but do know these people will probably ask you for a lot of free producers passes a because that's just maybe intel they know from how the producer yeah. works which is really valuable and they'll say like are you prepared for that given these set of circumstances is this still a project you want to engage in and you have that option to say no i would rather use my time in a different way or to mm -hmm. engage so you are given these options many of the times but i think if you're in there and you're in the middle of a job a producer says hey i want a producer's pass especially if it's just the first or the second one and you say, no, fuck you pay me. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. You create real bad blood. And like Josh was saying, part of the experience is creating a network and creating relationships and friends within the industry whom you can continue to work with because at the end of the day, making a movie or a TV show really is a group effort and it's hard. Yeah. It costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of time and I think the producer will see you as someone who is just in it for the job. And I've talked to producers who very much know writers who do that. They do ask for that money when they the producers don't have it. And while that's something to be respected, in many ways they find that writer to be difficult because their opinion is if you're just asking for money, it means you're not invested in the project. Yeah. And that may not be true, but that's definitely how they're viewing you in that situation. But let's remember yeah, producers are getting weekly paychecks and you're not. <laughs> yeah, it is tricky. I mean, I, 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 I just want to stress, I don't think either of us are saying to be 
yes men or yes women no and say oh yeah okay okay i'll work with you producer i just i think there's that fine line of you know doing free work but maybe pushing back a little bit here and there and just kind of letting your concerns be you know voice your concerns and where do you think that line is like where do you feel like you would push back like at what revision set would you say <laughs> hey let's think about this differently it's a i think it's a case-by-case -case basis for sure and just depending on how comfortable you are with the producer yeah and how much you like them and what you can say to the person um there's of course a very diplomatic way to go about like okay i'll do another pass but i i gotta have to be honest this isn't you know this is becoming a little bit more than i think we originally had talked about but i really want to make mm -hmm. this the best possible version of this version and i don't want to hold up this project but why don't we talk and see what happens after this pass yeah i think that's great yeah you can kind of hint that we're nearing the end of the road but i'm not a difficult human being yeah because i think there are two different ways that this can look and it's important to be aware of both one is that every single revision you do is honestly making your project better and yeah. it might be incrementally because, as you said before, you change one thing and suddenly all these other things are different. And so now you're going to get a new set of notes because all these other things are different that they didn't see before. But if those new set of notes, even if they're the fifth or the tenth or the twelfth, if that's actually making your project better and the producer seems to have a very clear plan, like yeah. when this is done, let's take a step back. The plan should start with, this is what the show should be, or this is what the mm -hmm. movie should be. And all my notes are getting us to that point. If you're getting notes from a producer that are just kind of like, it sounds like they're just kind of like, eh, Sean should really be eating eggs here, I yeah. think. I really think the chocolate bar is, is not right. And then you, you change it to eggs and they're like, um, but should Sean be wearing red shoes? I don't know. Like if it's those kinds of notes and they don't have a plan for it, that's a red flag. But let's totally. say your producer has a plan, your script is getting better. And I'm talking about myself because I've definitely gone through this free revision process on a pilot that I have dozens of revisions I've done for free. And yeah. I've talked to you, Josh, about this. There are many times where I got to the point with my producer where it's like on the brink of tears, like I have nothing left to give. Like <laughs> this, why can't we take this out? Explain it to me. And she'll explain it to me <laughs> and I'll be like, Fuck, you're right. That's that needs to be changed. Fuck you. You're right. <laughs> and I'll continue to do it. And the good news about that story is after dozens of free revisions, I did end up selling it because she was right and I needed right. to change those things. But she had a plan, right? So I think that's that's a red flag. But I think in general, when you get to maybe the third revision, First two, I'm like, yeah, producers pass, great, no problem. I'm here for you. Let's do this. I am invested. Third revision, start making that assessment. Does this person yeah. have a plan or is this person just giving me notes to give me notes? And that's when I think you step in or send your agent or manager in there to step in for you. Concur. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that's really – all I have to say about free work. I mean, like I said, mine's just in revision world and that's where most of mine have been. I think we covered a lot. I, I think you just have to assess the situation because I, I understand why people are completely against doing free work. Yeah. 
but I do think there's times that we've just laid out, we've talked about where it benefits you. And yeah. you, you, I just don't think you should be closed off to it. Like I know people who, I personally know people who are closed off to, I'm not doing revisions anymore. I'm not doing that treatment. I'm not mm -hmm. doing this. I'm not, I'm not even gonna entertain X, Y, or Z. And I, I, I don't personally, this is my personal belief, I don't think that's the right way to go about doing it. I think yeah. you should be very open to it. Because knowing producers personally now and seeing yeah. their point of view, they can be truly heartbroken when a writer won't continue with them because they want money because they've put so much sweat equity into this project with you and you're yeah. just being like, fuck you unless you pay me. It's like, well, I don't have money to pay you. Well, bye then. Like That's yeah. just such a difficult place for the producer to be in too. So I, I agree with you. I think it's a case by case basis whether or not to take free work. So. It sucks that that's the conclusion of the podcast yeah. of when to do it and when not to is it no, is a case by case basis. Talk to your reps, talk to your friends when that comes up to just get some opinions about about that and what are the red flags. And, yeah. you know, j just make those assessments before you decide to do it, because free work can be a monumental waste of your time. Totally. And I know I've poked fun at like screenwriting Twitter. But yeah. in, a, in, in, a, in a good area, currently, this is now more than ever, you can reach out to people on social media yeah. and get opinions. I, you could probably reach out to my manager who's very <laughs> responsive to people. I swear yeah. to God, like, it's amazing. I see him and other managers giving advice to people. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Like, that didn't exist years yeah. ago where you're like, hey, this situation came up. And someone's like... I don't even know if they know they're doing it, but you're getting all the, the advice that like a client would get. Yeah, absolutely. Also reach us out to us at Act Two Writers. Oh yeah, or on or Twitter. Us. And we'll help you out too if we <laughs> no, can. We'll always help of course. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I'll talk to anyone about anything at any point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it. That's all we have to say about free work. Boom. Let's we're gonna, go. We're gonna hit our quote of the day. Yeah. I would advise anyone who aspires to a writing career that before developing his talent, he would be wise to develop a thick hide. Harper Lee. Oh, great. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers on Twitter and on Instagram for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I'm on Instagram, it's Josh Hallman, Twitter, Joshua Hallman. As always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by the amazing Paul Lundquist, music by 414Beg, which you can find on Spotify. And go Dodgers for Paul. <laughs> hey, what about me? For Paul.